This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and I'm solo today. I thought I would um, kick it old school, pardon the the <clears throat> quote from, I don't know, was that the 80s? I'm not sure. I thought I would do a solo episode today and maybe just reflect a little bit on you know, what's, what's been going on this summer, what's been going on with uh, the prep for some really amazing episodes that we have coming shortly. And I thought I would return to just a format that I had used when I uh, started the podcast a couple of years ago. I still can't believe we're in season three. I was reading some transcripts from um, early episodes and in one of the early episodes, actually, I think it was episode one, I think I commented and shared that, you know, I was really looking forward to feedback and hearing from people what they think about the podcast and was sharing as as I usually do that I'm a learner in this process. And gosh, I never thought I'd be able to figure out how to edit audio and things of that nature. But here I am today. And in the episode, I joke and say, you know, maybe by the time we get to episode 13, and then I paused and said, okay, let's just let's just hope we get to episode two. And here we are at season three, several episodes in. So um, thanks to everybody who's been listening, who's been supportive, who's reached out, who's shared tips and ideas on how to make it better. I've just greatly appreciated the feedback and the support. So so as many of you know, we are doing a 10-part series on leadership and the paradoxical mindset. And Danielle and I have already started interviewing some of those folks. Those <clears throat> episodes will drop probably in the next um, several weeks. So we're really looking forward to it. And while we've been interviewing people and prepping for those interviews, I've really been doing some noticing myself around paradox. And, you know, this this idea of paradox, of course, is this this notion that there are, you know, multiple ideas, concepts, whatever you want to call them, and they are in seemingly in conflict, right? And so being able to embrace or adopt or practice a paradoxical mindset is really around our ability to hold these seemingly conflicting ideas. And so I thought I would start off um, with a story as I used to um, early on. And the story is related to, you know, you'll hear soon from Danielle and myself, we'll do an intro to the 10 part series and sort of how we arrived where we are with this, this work. And it really came out of an article that we read as a class in one of the leadership courses that I teach. 
and it was around paradoxical leadership. And in that particular article, it was helping leaders to not only embrace a paradoxical mindset, but it was specifically around social entrepreneurship, right? Like doing things that are to the betterment of your community and the larger society, while also being able to manage the demands and requirements of financial, you know, viability. And so as I was thinking about a story to share, I I thought it was really appropriate to think about um, playing cards. And the reason I say that is because as a kid, that was the way that I was able to hang out, connect with, and get to know my great-grandmother. I actually got to know my great-great-grandmother. Yes, that was two greats that I said I can remember. I was young. I was in probably in, gosh, I'm trying to think. I can see where I was sitting at the kitchen table in in my parents' uh, first house. So I was in maybe first or second grade, and we used to play Crazy Yates. And then um, as I got a little older, I was able to play with my grandmother, um, my great-grandmother, and then my grandmother's sister. We would sit around their kitchen table um, playing cards. And so I started thinking about cards. And the reason, stay with me here on this story, the reason that playing cards in my mind is related to paradoxical mindset is because my grandma Downey, whom everybody knows, if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you already know who this wonderful woman is. My grandma Downey, you know, used to play, and really our whole family played a game called 31. Three cards, you, you know, you try to get as close to 31, if not 31, um, and you try to beat your opponent, the person with the the lowest number, right, has to pay into the, the pot. And when you run out of money you're out and the person who's left standing so to speak wins that money so why is this related to paradoxical mindset well i just recently took um our kids to the beach to see my parents and our oldest is now old enough really to play this game because he can you know he can add he can keep up uh, with the cards etc and so we played and we laughed so hard and had so much fun playing that game and talking about when I used to play it with my grandmother and all the memories. And the reason it feels paradoxical is because we literally were playing with, you know, dimes, quarters. And usually when I played with my grandmother, it was nickels and dimes. And so the paradox here is, you know, it doesn't take a lot of money you know, you don't need a lot of money to have a lot of fun, right? So being able to put those two things together and remember that, you know, the lower lower amount of finances, so to speak, um, can be equated with a higher amount of fun or a lot of fun. And so those, they sometimes, especially nowadays, and especially um, I think in 2021, that feels paradoxical and and seemingly conflicting in some ways that we're so used to having to spend, you know, the more money we spend, the more excitement, creativity, fun, craziness, whatever word you want to apply to that fun. It's just you get more. And it just reminded me this morning that, well, maybe that's not always true. And so, so even if you don't think you're you're in tune to paradoxical mindset or it's something that bumps into your life. I bet it does. So um, 
So in this episode, as I said, I really did want to reflect on paradox and paradoxical mindset. And in particular, I was going to unpack, some of you may have listened to this episode. It was in, I believe it was the end of episode, sorry, it was the end of season three, season two, and it was on imposter syndrome. And if you remember, imposter syndrome is this notion that individuals and groups may perceive and think that you are, you know, particularly smart, intelligent, talented, good at something, whatever that something is, whether it's a skill, you know, um, singing, dancing, writing, um, teaching, whatever, whatever that, that profession or talent is, they think you're very good at it. And the imposter syndrome part is that you don't think you're good at it. And so you feel like an imposter, right? And so I talked, I think I talked extensively about imposter syndrome and my own experiences with it. And of course, it brings me to the paradox that um, I speak about on this ep- on this podcast, as well as with friends, colleagues, and, and really our students, because our students feel this a lot. And so we really try to work through this with them. And that is the paradox of the novice expert, right? And so I don't feel super comfortable or have never felt super comfortable with the notion of being an expert. And in fact, I think I've told the story on this, this podcast before that when I was writing the book last sprint, last winter and spring, there's a, an early chapter where I'm, you know, just sort of introducing the audience to me and my story and sort of setting it up. And I shared in the first, probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 pages um, you know, on maybe page 14 or 15, something like that, that I don't didn't consider myself an expert, <clears throat> that I was a learner. And when I sent those pages to my editor, my editor was like, Carrie, I appreciate what you're trying to say. And I don't think you can say this to your to your readers, your readers want to buy this because they, they want to buy it from someone who is an expert on this topic. So So I had to do some thinking, right? I mean, these are, again, I really held it up as a paradox, seemingly conflicting ideas. And so I... I, I sort of paused and, and sat on that chapter for a little while and really wasn't sure what to do because I didn't want to own that word expert, you know, that identity, I guess, not that word, that identity of an expert. It felt to me like expert meant I was finished, I was right, I knew exactly what I was talking about, check the box and be done. And so I, I just went on to other chapters and, and so um, just really wasn't sure what to do. And then I came back to it and I shifted the language. I don't know that I was doing it intentionally and, and I'll explain that more in a second. I shifted the language and so I pulled a few quotes from the book. So instead of saying I'm not an expert, I started to unpack this idea and shared with my reader that I do not like the word expert. And then I went on to say, in quote, true expertise includes a learning identity. And at the end of the section, I shared that I think that, um, you know, true expertise in that same sentence possess tolerance for uncertainties and an optimism that problems can be overcome. And so, so, so I wrote that, sent it to my editor. He seemed satisfied, not only satisfied, but he said in his notes that he felt like he understood now 
sort of my pushback on the word expert. So, you know, this was back in early spring. So we let it lie. We went on to the to the rest of the, the chapters and, and so forth. Fast forward to, you know, this summer and uh, uh, early fall, and we've started prepping for our episodes with our leaders around paradoxical mindset and leadership. And we had a couple of conversations with some amazing women that you're going to hear from soon. So I'm not going to not going to reveal too much. You'll have to listen to find out. And in these episodes, a couple of individuals have shared and pushed back a little bit on this notion of our definition of paradox. The, the definite well, it's not really. I can't even say it's our definition. It's the it's the Webster, you know, Marion Webster's definition of paradox. And the pushback was around this word conflict. And so in these conversations, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but in these conversations, Danielle and I really dig into with with these individuals, this idea that we don't necessarily need to start from a place of conflict, that perhaps that word doesn't serve us in thinking about paradox, right? So what if we could imagine that instead of saying seemingly conflicting ideas, what if we shifted our language to consider that it's just multiple narratives, that it's holding two or more different or a variety of perspectives at the same time? That really stuck with me. I started to think more about that. And I started to reflect back, of course, as you might imagine, on that section I wrote in my book. And what occurred to me is that it's not that I don't consider myself an expert, which I still, I'm going to be honest with you. So I'm like, I'm going to tell you this thing and then I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking sort of as I'm (laughs) seeing myself. So some reflection and action. I still struggle with that word expert. And I will tell you that the real struggle with the word expert is the finality of that word, is the completion perception that I have of that word expert. And what I mean by that is one of my values, as, as some of you know, I've been doing these coaching classes. And one of the things you do very, very early on in a coaching class is what's called mining for your values. And if you've never done this, I would highly recommend that you do it. And I'm going to share with you in a few minutes how you can do that. So we did a couple of activities around mining for values. And and in my own coaching sessions during the class, it emerged that my values are around authenticity, inclusivity, and curiosity. Hmm. So I started to think more about that value of curiosity. And then I started to think more about that identity of expertise. And I think what I discovered is that the reason I was struggling with this idea of expertise is because it rubs up against my value of curiosity, that I was worried and continue to worry that if I'm identified as an expert and if I own an identity of expertise, I'm not considered a learner and I'm not considered curious. And if there's one thing I have learned from all the education I've received, and I think I said this in a recent podcast, is that even with all my credentials, with all of my training in academia and all of my teaching experience, I have way more questions than answers. That's just the reality for me. I don't know if that's of great comfort or nervousness to anyone. I just have more questions than answers. 
And so what I've come to realize is that I'm really practicing and trying to train my own paradoxical mindset. And what that means for me is that they're not in conflict. They're not in conflict. Hold on to that thought for a second. These multiple narratives, these diverse narratives, don't have to be in conflict. They can just be multiple narratives. I can be an expert and I can be curious. And I think this 10-part series that we're doing with leaders is us, you know, exploring and imagining what would it be like to be in a space with a leader. And leader in this case is broadly defined, folks. This is not only the individual who has leader in their role, right? This, this could be anyone who takes a leading role in anything, So imagine that person walks into a space and is able to communicate an expertise and a curiosity about a topic, a conversation, a debate, a project. What does that do for the space and what does that do for the individuals working in that space on that project, that topic, in that debate? I would imagine that it offers opportunities for creativity and curiosities and who knows, right? Possibility, absolutely possibility. And so I'm working really hard, you know, to continue to notice when these paradoxes make me feel uncomfortable. And then I'm checking in with my values because oftentimes that discomfort is coming out of a misalignment or rubbing up against my values. And so again, I think it's really, really important that we honor our values. And the only way to honor our values is to figure out what our values are. And so um, if you want to do some value mining, one way to do that is to, you know, consider, consider a moment where, and this is one of the things we did in the class, where you, you would say, so think about this phrase, you know, Think of a time when life just couldn't get any better than this moment, right? So write that on a piece of paper or type it on a computer. Life just couldn't get any better than this moment. With that sentence across the paper or on a computer, I want you to describe that moment. What did it look like? What did it feel like? Maybe what did it smell like? Who was there? What were you doing? what was making it the way it was, you know, just all of those things about that moment, almost like you're able to relive it. And if you were sharing it with a friend or a close colleague, that they could feel whatever it is about that moment that makes you say, life just can't get any better than this. After you do that, reread the paragraph and right below the paragraph, either type or write, those things that you notice that are emerging, what is it about that moment that you loved, right? Maybe it's the connection. Maybe it's the, I don't know, the the excitement of something. Maybe it's the challenge of something. Maybe it's some spirituality that emerge or I've heard people describe, you know, feeling a faithfulness between individuals 
um, the intellectual curiosity. Um, it could be lots of things. There's no one right answer, right? So look at that paragraph, write down the words or phrases, then spend a few minutes and look at those words or phrases and try tightening them up. You know, maybe you wrote a phrase that said being with friends and you want to you want to scratch that and say relationships or you want to scratch that and say connection, right? Really tighten it up so that that word or phrase resonates with you. And then when you've done that little bit of editing, circle the two or three or three or four phrases or words that just stand out with you on that day that you're doing this work. And ask yourself, you know, are those your values? I bet I bet you if you do that on your own, you'll be able to unearth at least a couple of your values, right? And with those values, really those values become guideposts for for other things we do in our in our lives and I'll bet you if you pay attention, if you stop and notice a moment when you're feeling uh, I don't know, frustrated, uncomfortable, just discontent, ask yourself, what am I doing to honor my values? Or ask yourself, what am I doing that's ignoring my values? And I'll bet you, you'll be able to see some of the source of that discomfort. So that's what I've been doing. (laughs) Now, granted, I've been doing that over, you know, a five or six month period. So be patient with yourself. Give yourself some grace. This isn't going to all of a sudden emerge from doing, you know, one session of value mining in that paragraph. You're going to learn a lot, though, I bet, if you will take the time to do it. So if you have a moment, it really doesn't take that long, maybe 15 minutes or so. Um, It's a great exercise. It's something I do with my coaching clients. And it's just a really great springboard for thinking about other exciting moments and challenges that emerge in your life. The other thing I wanted to share with you today is um, I thought I would toss in a little bit of research. Um, Dr. Shaw, who you'll hear from in a few weeks, did talk about some research. And so I thought I would add a bit more around the paradoxical mindset. So I found this article on the BBC.com. It was written about a year ago in November 11, 2020. And it's... um, Heraclius and Robeson. Heraclius is spelled H-E-R-A-C-L-E-O-U-S. I hope I did that justice. And Robeson, R-O-B-S-O-N. And the article is called Why the Paradox Mindset is the Key to Success. I think if you Google it, you'll be able to find it. Um, It's a free article and it was very interesting. So in this article, they talk about, you know, why they believe and why researchers have suggested that being able to adopt and train your mind to to manage paradox is is a contributor to success and higher performance and they start out of course talking about um you know the great the great minds and the Nobel laureates and folks like Einstein who and they remind us that you know Einstein really grappled with paradox this idea of of objects being at rest and in motion and that, you know, these, their willingness and, and patience to sit with these paradox obviously, you know, led to incredible creativity and new discovery. Now, they go on to say, of course, we're not all geniuses, and I would never claim to be in the same <laughs> realm with Einstein, but you see the point. You see the point, and you see the benefit, hopefully. 
They also talk about research that digs into this idea of paradoxical cognition. So even if you aren't a Nobel laureate or an inventor, or maybe that's just not your thing, there are ways to implement this this approach in our in our lives. And so the idea of paradoxical cognition is just, you know, spending some time, as I said earlier, contemplating these conflicting ideas. They they posit in, and they show in their research through some pretty cool um, experiments that they do with individuals that just spending a bit of time grappling with seemingly conflicting ideas or multiple narratives can lead to our ability to make connections and between things that we didn't think were connected, which then leads to innovation and creativity. Additionally, um, there was a researcher, and I didn't hear know about this until I prepped for this episode, so I'm super excited about this. So Mirren, Mirren Spector, M-I-R-N-S-P-E-K-T-O-R uh, in 2017, wrote an article and did some research on the on paradox mindset and the difference in his research was that there was a survey that individuals took to measure their paradoxical mindset and what they found in this research is that individuals with higher scores so in terms of so the the survey was sort of around you know attitudes uh, with respect to dealing with conflicting seemingly conflicting ideas and managing that discomfort etc so if they scored high um in their ability to deal with these these conflicts, they found that um, those individuals were higher performing in the workplace. They were more excited about the work that that they were asked to do. And those who had lower scores, not surprisingly, I'm sure you can guess, actually started to falter and struggle in the workplace and really were not as successful as those with with the higher scores on paradoxical mindset. The last part of the article offers, you know, sort of some tips in terms of what we can do. And they say, you know, how do you exercise your thinking and mindset? And I had to laugh because, um, you know, the book that I've written that'll come out October 7th is really my attempt to think about this kind of work in the framework of training and exercise and so I loved that they actually used that terminology so it was kind of it was kind of affirming for me which was nice so so what they recommend and what I also talk about in the book is that you know in order to learn to better manage these multiple narratives and adopt a a yes and approach to your thinking you have to notice right So the first thing that they recommend is to write it down, right? So pay attention to what's going on in your day-to-day life, whether it's personal, professional, otherwise. And as you notice these, maybe keep a, I don't know, keep a little notebook by you. If you have your phone, you could use, you know, notes on your phone to jot it down. You could use a voice memo, whatever it is. They're saying that you just need to start noticing when these paradoxes emerge and also notice your reaction to those paradoxes, kind of like what I was talking about earlier with respect to mining for your values. And the more we are able to notice and say, ah, that, that is a paradox. Ooh, that one, that one makes me feel really uncomfortable. And we start to think about why does that make us feel uncomfortable? What is it about those multiple narratives that's bothering me? We can start to adopt perhaps, you know, an ability to hold 
multiple narratives to, to take a yes and approach to our thinking around paradox and perhaps again as they said exercise our mindset so that we can increase our ability to navigate these paradox so so that's all I have for you today I just really you know this this novice expert paradox has been on my mind I've been thinking a lot about the notion of multiple narratives because I've just been having these great, you know, Danielle and I have been having, Danielle and I have been having these great conversations with these guests that you'll hear from very, very soon. And so I guess I just really wanted to share with everyone that, you know, we're all on our own journey. We're all in a different place and space around lots of things, particularly around our ability to notice name and really manage right navigate these these seemingly conflicting ideas and so I think there are two calls to action for today's episode the first one is um, and it is really a shameless plug for my my book and I talk about it a lot in the book is we have to start paying attention we have to notice and name these moments right whether it's paradox whether it's something else if we're not noticing what's going on well surely we can't do anything we can't react we can't think we can't reflect we can't do anything until we stop for a moment and notice so noticing and naming these moments is critical I think it's helpful to write them down to really be purposeful and intentional about this work it just it helps bring the noticing I think to the forefront um, so I would definitely recommend that you do that. The second thing that I would recommend and would be my second call to action is if you haven't already done it or if you did it a long time ago, do some work around your values. Try the, you know, try the example that I shared, which is, um, you know, life just doesn't get any better than this. Um, if you don't like that one, I bet you if you Googled value mining, you would find um, there are resources. Usually the resources are a list of words, right, that represent different values. And you're asked to think about a few questions and go through those lists of words and circle them and then sort of narrow it down. So that's another way to do it as well. So regardless of how you do it, I would ask that you practice noticing and naming this week maybe the the multiple narratives or those seemingly conflicting ideas that pop up in your life. And the other thing I might spend some time doing is mining for your values because I really do believe that once we have identified our values, even as they change over time, they help us to navigate and better understand what in the heck's going on in our hearts and our minds at any given moment. So, so I hope you all have a wonderful week and thank you so much for listening to another episode of tell me this. I am your grateful co host. I'm not a co-host today. I am your grateful host, Carrie Borkowski. Thanks for listening. Take care. everybody.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.